Romans chapter 12 is where we're at. Romans 12. We Mr. Storley's in the house, so you have to make sure you congratulate him and his new baby. And Grandma gets to take care of the other one for a while. <laughs> Romans chapter 12. <clears throat> the last two weeks have been, hopefully, they've been in my life, I don't know, uh, but they've been very convicting in my life. These things are to be what a Christian truly is. We started in verse 15. Um, actually, we started in, in verse 14. He's talking about how we deal with un unbelievers. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those that do rejoice and weep with those that weep. Be of the same mind towards one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. He continues in verse 17 and 18. He says, Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of men, of all men. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, kick him out. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not, overcome, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So this passage of Scripture, 17 through 21, we, won't be able, we will not be getting through the whole thing, but the whole thing is a package unit. And it starts with, never pay back evil for evil. If you were to ask what what is evil what is evil what is bad well do you remember sitting at the lunch table at school and someone steals your twinkie and so you smash their peanut butter and julie julie yeah <sighs> peanut butter and jelly sandwich how you know at our school it was yeah this it was the the the, the smashing it so it was fun to see somebody with a twinkie and just because it would go white. And then the retaliation that took place was to smash the peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Now they actually sell smashed peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. They're like this thin, and you can buy them in an all, you know, whatever. But there's this retaliation. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Christians don't retaliate. They just don't. The Bible says that resentment has no place in a believer. Retaliation and resentment are getting them back. Now my wife and I have a, a little game we play. She hates hair coming out of my ears. And she hates that she could actually braid my eyebrows. 
So, when I see her lurking, I'm ready to cry because it hurts. <laughs> and I tell her, remember, payback's really bad. But that's a joke and it's just a game we play. Unfortunately, Christians act like that all the time. Somebody calls your name. You turn around, stick your thumb at, and I don't, I don't even understand what you're trying to do, but we stick our tongue out at them and, and, and try to act like a moose. How many know what I'm talking about? I, I don't know why people do that, but they think that's hurting them. I think it's hilariously dumb. But when we do that, we retaliate, we resent, we try to get back. But it has no place in the Christian arsenal. It doesn't belong there. You see, God and His plans are perfectly sovereign. Nothing happens by mistake. Nothing, God, I've said this many, many times, but it's so true. God never says, oops, that got by me. Jesus died for the world. He did not eradicate the world. If resentment and retaliation were the norm for a Christian, we would not be here because we'd be gone. Jesus died for the world. He has not eradicated it. If resentment became in Him, there would be no world. Resentment is something that unbelievers share. For they feel as if they deserve better. And when someone wrongs them, well, how dare they wrong me? We too many times act as unregenerates. Sometimes believers even take their revenge with blasts of insults. Let me ask you, when did Christ ever stop to do that lowest of actions? Now, He did say, you brood of vipers. Then He goes on to explain what that means. Who, and I can't remember, I can't quote it for you, but the point is, Christ didn't retaliate. When He was standing there on the cross, being held by a stake in His foot, He didn't put Pilate up there, and He certainly could have. He didn't put any of the Pharisees up there, and He certainly could have. He didn't stay up there and roll his eyes as if these guys are ridiculous. And they were. He didn't stand there and say, who do they think they are? Christ did none of, none of that. Anybody remember anything like that He did on the cross? Not a one. See, fighting of words usually are a sign of 
not only immaturity, which they are, but also that you may not have a good argument for your position. But words are only the beginning. Too many times, resentment and paybacks far too often affect every part of our lives. Whether gossip, slander, fighting, or any, anything retaliatory, retaliatory will not ever bring the satisfaction you are looking for. Say, well, you, you just don't understand. Right, I'm not in your shoes. I don't understand. You don't understand how bad I have it. I don't. I have my own issues. And everybody sitting here have, has our own issues. You see, what happens is this verse ahead of us, do not, look at verse 16. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Do not, do not, do not separate that from the context of verse 17. Because the only reason we retaliate is our stinking, rotten pride. As if we deserve something better. There are times the husbands and wives sitting here. There are times you look at your husband or your wife and you say, I deserve better. With Preta, it's true. That's pride. You see, there are young, young people sitting in this room right now probably that your parents made a mistake and you're going to hold it over their head for their entire life. That's pride. There are parents sitting here. Your children have made a mistake. You're going to hold it over their head for your entire life. That's pride. Listen, folks. All sinners remain seated. See, I know one. I, I see. I found a new way. <laughs> if you're sinless, please stand. I'm sitting in my heart. We are simply sinners saved by grace. We are going to fail miserably. It is pride for somebody else or for you to take somebody else's failings and say, I deserve better or I hate them or I can't stand them or I'll get them back. And I'm, I'm dead serious. It destroys your entire life. Your entire life. You've got this in your head. Why? Because you haven't learned to forgive people and you haven't learned to forgive yourself. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. To anyone. Why? 
Well, because God is sovereign, that's why. We're in this world amongst a whole bunch of wicked sinners. I being one. And I'm going to hurt somebody and somebody's going to hurt me. And I have to go to that person and say, listen, I totally forgive you. I understand. I forgive you. I love you. I care for you. I'll serve you. You say, well, that's just weak. Let me introduce you to a man named Jesus. Who was beaten to a pulp so that no one could even recognize him as human because of your and my sin. Not for anything that he had done. Not for anything that he had said. He was totally innocent. He was innocent of all innocence. He was totally, the very term innocence would define him. And yet he was beaten. If anybody had a right to retaliate, don't you think Christ did? But no, he stood on that cross, willingly kept himself on that cross, and looked at them and said, What? Forgive them. Father, forgive them. Don't, don't hold this against them. Uh, that's the antithesis of retaliation. Amen? Resentment has no place in a believer because God is sovereign and he, His plans all, are going to be laid out and we are either going to complain or revel in them. Amen? Well, you don't understand. I have to live in northern Minnesota. I can't think of a better place to live right now. You know, here and this I'm learning this as I'm writing my dissertation. You ever gone to a job and it's just like hell? Horrible? I'm learning this. That's all a state of your mind. It's how you react and how you take care of things and deal with things. A dear friend of mine was a pig slaughterer while going to seminary. He hated it. You'd come in and just slaughter pigs. Guts all over, poop all over, just nastiest, ugliest, grossest thing in the world. This has got to be the job from hell. I hate it, I hate it, I hate it, I hate it, I hate it. And he hated it. Matter of fact, he's some of your pastors. He was your pastor. And then the Lord got a hold of his heart. And he started to enjoy the job. He went in there and did as hard as he could. It worked as hard as he could for the Lord. Was serving the Lord in every aspect. Literally, he was, be, he was able to give the gospel to some of his, of the, of his of fellow, fellow employees. Literally, they saw something different in him. Why? Why? Literally, you're retaliating against God to say, I need a better job. This thing stinks. Hey, there's time for a new job. I understand. But did God make a mistake giving you that job? 
Did God make a mistake putting you in that family? I think that's probably one of the biggest things amongst young people in any church or anywhere. They look at other people's family and they're like, His, her dad lets her do that. Why can't you? How many have heard that? I wish I could have been born there. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I wish I was born in Knaus' family right now. Because I'd be heading to Alaska next week. <laughs> How many get this? God placed you in that family for a reason. He's, he's molding you. He's making you. He's, he's, he's affecting you for later service in life. You can get grumpy all you want about it, but if that's what your attitude is, your life's going to stink. Just being honest. Okay, this is where I am. How can I make the best of this? How can I serve the Lord here in this area? What can I do? That's the attitude we bring to it. Not resentment, not retaliation, not unhappiness, not all pride motivated. Because every one of those things are. Every one of them are. Paul expects us to bring our relationships with others into the scope of our relationship with God. In other words, we're to treat others like, we're sa like we are saved and have a relationship with God. Isn't that a novel idea? How many understand the sarcasm there? That is the whole point, is it not? Paul expects us to bring our relationships with others, how we interact with each other, in line with, in relation with, in the same scope as our relationship with God. And frankly, it's not with everybody we know, correct? It's because of pride. There is nothing that someone has done to you. So another reason we shouldn't do this is there's nothing that someone has done to you that you haven't already done to God. You see, Jesus Christ, the only Son. By the way, when that word begotten does not mean, it means God, very God. That's what it means. When God Almighty stood on that cross with that nail in His feet hanging Him there, You and I placed Him there. When the song says, it was my sins that held Him there, that is absolute perfect orthodoxy. We put Him on that cross. We, our sins held Him there. There is nothing that someone has done against you that has not been done, that you have not been done, have not done to God. Do you indeed speak righteousness, O gods? Do you judge uprightly, O sons of men? No. Absolutely not. In heart, 
you work unrighteousness. Even the righteous deeds we outwardly show are probably unrighteous motivations which are hidden. Does that make sense? Why do you do what you do? This text says, this is found, by the way, in the book of Psalm, do indeed speak righteousnesses, O God, O gods? Do you judge uprightly, O sons of men? No. No. In heart, you work unrighteousness. On earth, you weigh out the violence of your hands. The wicked are estranged from the womb. They will, they, these who speak lies go astray from birth. They have venom like the venom of a serpent, like a deaf cobra that stops up its ear so that it does not hear the voice of harmers or charmers or a skillful caster of spells. Oh God, shatter their teeth in their mouth. <clears throat> oh God, shatter the teeth in their mouth. What does that mean? Wake them up. Break out the fangs of the young lions, O oh Lord. Let them flow away like waters that run off. When he bames his arrows, let them be as headless shafts. Let them be as a snail which melts away as it goes along. Like the miscarriages of a woman which never see the sun. Before your pots can feel the fire of horns, he will sweep them away with a whirlwind, the green and the burning alike. Folks, humanity is not a pretty thing, is it? It is not us that give vengeance. God gives vengeance. Amen. Another chapter, that was Psalm 58. Another one is Ephesians chapter 2. This is all of us. This is why we should never have pride in who we are. When I boast, I boast in what does the Bible say? Christ. The Bible says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince and power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of dis disobedience. Among them, we too, all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh of the, and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. That passage of Scripture tells us we were absolutely, positively putrid and enemies of God. And that's what we looked like. <clears throat> Let me ask you, is there a difference now in what you look like? Are you tearing down people behind their backs? Are you calling people names? Are you somehow irritated with people and your people people and you're going to get them back? That is the world. That is not those that are in Christ. Amen. Genesis chapter 6. It happened right away. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that every intent of thoughts of their heart was only evil continually. 
the Lord was sorry that He had made man on the earth, and He was grieved in His heart. The Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, from man to animals to creeping things to birds of the sky, for I am sorry that I had made them. Humanity is so wicked, the Bible says that God was, in a sense, sorry that He even created them. We are all enemies of God. Romans chapter 5, verse 10. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more, now that we are reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. For the wrath of God, and then it goes on and a different passage, sorry. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness. This is Romans chapter 1, fantastic text. Because that which is known about God is evident within them. Do you realize that you are the only thing that some people know about God? How's that going at your job site? See, we got this idea, and, and this is, I'm, I'm going to keep saying it over and over and over again. We got this idea that worship happens on Sunday. Worship happens all the time. It never stops. You don't worship on Sunday and then do something different on Monday. No, you worship on Monday. The issue is, how are you worshiping on Monday? Cussing and swearing like a, like a drunken sailor? As if Sunday doesn't matter? Listening to the jokes of the world? Approving of the parties the world tends to show their hatefulness against God? For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes, His eternal power, divine nature, has been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so they are without excuse. For every, even though they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. You see, the reason we don't retaliate or the reason we, let me put it this way, it's probably easier. The reason we retaliate is because we are our own God. That's why. We are. We're futile. This verse is exactly where many professing Christians are. Even though they knew God, they didn't honor Him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, you see they're arrogant, just like verse 17, 16. And it, professing to be they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and of four-footed beasts and animals and crawling creatures. Therefore, you can go for verse 24 all the way down to verse 32. It's, just, it's full of truth about what we really look like as humanity. The perfect example, I think, is how many saw the woman bawling her head off when Donald Trump became president? All right. We all have political bends and we all have opinions about that. But I will tell you this. The president was that person's God. 
Hillary Clinton might have been her God. Many times people act like animals. I mean, how many have ever watched an NFL football game? They literally paint their bodies in 20 below zero weather and, and think that's fun. What do they worship? Worship the team? Worship their God? But their God is a small G-O-D. Don't take this wrong, please. I'm not attacking anyone or at any time. But let me ask you, if camping or fishing or hunting or, and I don't even know how to ask, say this, or shopping or quilting or natting, tatting, <laughs> See, I am not a girl, and I'm not apologizing for that. But whatever girls do, when those things replace the church, you have a major problem. It doesn't matter what it is. If those things are keeping you from the assembling of ourselves together, it is sin. It's sin. They say, Pastor, you're just trying to get everybody here. L listen, you will do what you will do. But I'm telling you, God clearly says, forsake not the assembling of ourselves together. Amen. Now, I understand there's times when you're going to be away and times of doing things. I get that. I'm not disparaging that. But you need to, and, and, and so it's, this is not for me to tell you. But I will tell you this, you need to t be honest with yourself. What keeps me from worshiping God corporately together with all other Christians? What is it? And if there is something, you need to look at it seriously and say, is that, has that replaced the God of my life? On the other hand, there are people that come to church regularly and they have no idea what I'm talking about. How many understand what I'm saying? They are so religious that coming to church is their God and worshiping, they, they don't even know what that means. How many get this? So there's all sorts of aspects. The reality is we have been created to worship. Worship has nothing to do, nothing to do with retaliation or resentment. Pride does. I will tell you this, my flesh would much rather be on the mountain with a hundred trophy elk underneath me. That's my flesh. But my flesh and my spirit consistently fight. And I have to ask the question, what do I love more? Romans chapter 1 18 through 32. Instead of vengeance, God says in verse 14, what does He say to Christians? Instead of being vengeful, instead of being retaliatory, what does He say to do? Verse 14, what does it say? Read it together. Bless those who 
persecute you. Bless and do not curse. That's not retaliatory. Let me ask you, why do, you, why do we say bad things about people? Why do we go after them like that? We think it gets under their skin. True? Yes or no? Certainly. Let me ask you this. What would happen if someone just, just cussed you out and you looked at that person and said, I'm a child of the Lord. I love you. I care for you. How can I help you? Let me ask you, would that diffuse the situation or frustrate that person so much that they would just freak out? Matter of fact, the text actually, I don't know if you're noticing this, but what we have already been talking about, you can find it in the last few verses that we're dealing with. Heaping coals of fire on their head. Instead of vengeance, God says, bless them that persecute you, bless and do not curse. Not only does the character of God express clearly that we are not to recompense evil for evil, the character of God is perfect, but love one another. Do good to those who despitefully use you, and so on. So the character of God is important in all of this discussion. We are to be becoming more and more like Him. But what if we take revenge and justice in our own hands? Well, it's not only about the character of God, which we've just discussed, but we also have the issue of this justice, vengeance, judgment, all of that. Every one of those things belong to God, not to me. Not only is it wrong because His character, who I image, shows me it's wrong, but it's wrong because I am taking the place of God. How many of you love that position? Humanity does not re replace God. By the way, in this context, that sets up Romans 13 with God ordaining government. God ordained government. Amen? No one says amen to that. I know you don't want to, but the reality is it's true. Vigilantism is not part of a believer's DNA. If he has a right relationship with God. It would be blasphemy for any of us to usurp God's rightful, rightful place as judge. Truly, we would be seizing power that does not belong to us. Number one, we don't reply evil for evil because number one, it's against the character of God who we image. Number two, we don't do evil for evil because that's God's job, it's not ours. Our job is to serve and love each other. And when we're retaliating, we are being the anti-God in, in, in reality. And we're taking His job as if we think we can actually do His job. Are you kidding But I will tell you, that's how bad pride can get. As a result of arrogant 
usurping of God's rightful place as judge by intruding, we get in the way. We get in the way. How many remember, how many had an older brother or older sister? Okay, can you remember those people? You love them dearly, right? Some of you were the oldest, so you have no idea what I'm talking about. It would be good to change for a week, according to the younger siblings. But the reality is, didn't it just get under your skin when they acted like mom or dad? Who do you think you are to tell me? I don't even have to. I mean, you have it up. You got it. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Who do you think you are? You're not my dad. Who gives you the right to do so? You're not my mom. So, Christian, who gives you the right to judge somebody else? You're not God. It's the same exact thing, is it not? We are not to judge. And what we mean judge is condemn, right? Now, do we look at people and see fruit or not fruit? Okay, That's different than judging people. We can't judge the hearts. Anybody, can anybody see anybody's heart? Their motivation behind what they do? No one can. That's God's job. This retaliation, this isn't your business. That's God's business. And if you think you can do more harm than God, then you have a major pride problem. His discipline is perfect. His judgment is righteous. Ours is vengeful and crouched in fleshly, wicked desires. Does that make sense? It's exactly what this text is talking about. We actually get in the way of God. We are incapable of taking vengeance with proper wisdom, justice, and love. How arrogant to think that we can dole out better judgment and justice than God. How arrogant, self-deceived, and mentally debased the mind must be to try to take God's sovereign perfect plan and inject our own revengeful selves. That's simply crazy. It's not up for us to do tit for tat. It is not up to us to do eye for eye, but to love, pray for, and serve our enemies. And far be it from us to become God by taking on His responsibilities of justice and judgment. Amen? So that's the first part. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Then he goes on and says, and by, by the way, to anyone. So who's the exception to the pronoun? Uh, no one. Anyone. Well, you don't understand. No, 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 no. God will deal with who he will. Amen. Let him do his job. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. Respect what is right 
in the sight of all men. He also states, Schreiner states it this way, and maybe this is helpful, but I'm going to, I'm not going to attack him. I'm going to disagree with him, but then, well, we'll talk about it. Here we go. Schreiner says this. This is what he says that this means. Think beforehand what is good in the sight of all people. He also states, one of the marks of Christians is a winsome, friendly spirit that delights in peace and harmony, not arguments and division. He says many people believe that. I'm going to read that again. This is very important. One of the marks of a Christian under respect what is right in the sight of all men. One of the marks, one of the, the truths about every Christian is that they are to be a winsome, friendly spirit. Number one, are, did God create all of us as a stamped thing? Do any of us have, let me ask you this. How many of you know Callie? Would you say she has a winsome and friendly spirit? Does she depict everybody in this room? No. Does that make everybody in this room wrong? I can't believe a literally a theologian would say that. All of us are different. So please do not think in your mind, I gotta be that person. No, no, that's, that's not true. This guy is wrong, and that's why I'm bringing it up. And here's also, so it's not only one of the marks of a Christian is a winsome and friendly spirit. Now listen, all of us should have or must have a friendly spirit, amen. But this winsomeness brings out this, this extra personality that is just fun to be around. You know, some people are dull. They are. That doesn't make them not a Christian. My goodness, that's dumb. Matter of fact, you should be here next Sunday morning for CE. No, we won't be. In two weeks ago, two weeks from now, Lord willing, we're going to have Wayne Grudem speak to you. I'm going to introduce him and he's going to teach. It's unbelievable. I don't think he even smirks once. But he loves the Lord and is used greatly of the Lord. So this idea that, okay, respect all, what is right and what is right is everybody has to be winsome and friendly spirit and, and go, knock it off. <laughs> Stop it. But it gets worse. He delights in peace and harmony. Now let me ask you this. Do all Christians delight in peace and harmony? Absolutely. That might look differently for a lot of people, but we do delight in peace. That's why He is our God. Amen. One of the reasons. We have peace because of Him. Amen. So we delight in peace and harmony. But there's a wrong motivation here. Let me read it. Spirit that delights in peace and harmony, not arguments and division. Let me ask you this. Do two godly Christians, can they disagree? Absolutely. Can they argue vehemently for their position? Absolutely. But they need to do it how? What is the key word that changes everything? Loving or humbly? Amen? Humbly. Not arrogant. Not prideful. Not arguments. This I would have to disagree. Yes, win some friendly spirit with peace and harmony. 
I understand those are good things, but not all of us are winsome. But arguments and divisions are also good, not always bad or unmerited. Listen, if we are all just going to get along and never have arguments and divisions over the Word of God, let's just join the Unitarian Church and go on with life. Because anything's true, everything's true, nothing is wrong. That's just a ridiculous statement. That is not what this is saying. Amen. Respect what is right. I love it. It doesn't say respect, respect. Uh, it doesn't say get along with everybody no matter what it takes. It doesn't say that at all. It says respect what is right. See, Paul rightly argued and divided with Peter at one point. Amen. Jesus argued and had divisions amongst the religious leaders of that day. Amen. Peace and harmony at the expense of theology and God's glory is found in the author's comments on Scripture. For Scripture is very, not in Scripture. This principle would be better as respecting the right, and I might add, in a sense, respecting others in that right, humbly. First, respect is the right. What does that mean? It refers to what is intrinsically good, proper, honest. In all the arguments, political statements, themes, slogans, always respect and stand up with and for righteousness. Amen. Righteousness rules the day, not your opinion. Because it's your opinion, pride's involved. Righteousness rules the day. And where does righteousness come from? God and His Word. This brings us to the second respect. That not only, you know, respect what is right. The Word is paramount. That's what we stand, live and die on. Amen. But there's also this idea here in the text that we need to respect others. When we disagree, when we have arguments, we need to respect them and understand where they're coming from. Amen. Because who knows, we could be wrong. But you will never be wrong if you're always right. The problem is, none of us are always right. The text has to be the paramount respect. Amen. That's what we stand for. Not my theological bend unless that theological bend is dogmatic in the text. How about others? Let me, let me ask you this. How many of you have ever, how many of, see here I go pride again. See I, I included you. I wanted you to answer, not me. How many of us have been wrong? Okay. All, how many would agree that all of us have been wrong? None of us have a Fonzie mentality, right? I remember, how many remember Fonzie? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, he's my cousin. Henry Winkler? <laughs> Regardless, it's his cousin too, right? There. <laughs> Anyways, the one thing he said, I'll never forget this. I was he could never spit it out. The worst part about it is that made him worse than wrong. 
We can't have that attitude. There are some aspects in our lives that we are wrong. But only a humble spirit will recognize that. Too many times we let our emotions talk through our mouths and God is not glorified. Respect others by focusing on righteousness or what is right. It's not about how they called you or what they called you or that bad name they said. You did not like the tone of their voice to the because I'm, I'm too important than that. Well, we are ambassadors of right, not pride. We have never been called ambassadors to pride. Amen. We're ambassadors to the right and not the right politically. Right biblically. Amen. We too have all been wrong and needed someone to come alongside and lovingly correct our mistakes. If that is true, and it is for every one of us, then why don't we do the same thing for others? If God did that for us, by the way, was God always right? <laughs> Absolutely. And are we wrong sometimes? He doesn't just brush us off. He takes us to the Word. Encourages us. If God did that for us, why should we not do that for others? Stand for what is right, but understand and lovingly converse with those who we disagree with. Pastors that are vitriol in everything they do, I, I can't even imagine that. By the way, some, some would say, well, you're really excited all the time. There's a difference between passion and vitriol. How many understand that? I love the Lord and I love it when I learn things and I want to tell you as much as I can. Because I just get pumped and excited. And I never do anything half-heartedly. I, I can't. Please do not understand that it's vitriol. But there are pastors that are vitriol in their speaking down about others. I was just told of a pastor that all they did is just bash, 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 this guy's wicked, wicked, Satan, hell, bad, all that about people. And I will tell you, the more they do it, the louder they get because they don't have an argument. Pastors that disagree but kindly deal respectfully with the unregenerate, that's the guy I want to be with. Yeah, he's going to be wrong sometimes, but he's going to be honest and humble about it. The last text, live at peace with everybody. I think we'll go through this very quickly. It, it really kind of like sums it all up here. Live at peace. The Bible says, never let your, your own vengeance, never take your own vengeance, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. I'm sorry. If it's possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. It is interesting. If it's possible, if possible, people say, well, it's not possible, so I hate him. You're not understanding that. If it's possible, meaning you have the responsibility to treat others with respect, amen, and understanding and love of the Lord. If possible, meaning you have your part of the conversation can be in love and in humility. Amen? 
Let him rant whatever he wants to do. But that, you, don't, you can't control that. But what you can control is your attitude before God and how you deal with people you disagree with. You do have that. So it is, and it's, that's why it says, it's, it's pretty interesting. So far it is, it depends on you. I think it's a great translation. Your part needs to be in love. Your actions need to be in humility. That's what he's saying. MacArthur rightly says it this way. Our responsibility is to make sure that our side of the relationship is right. That our inner desire is genuinely to be at peace with all men. Even the meanest and most undeserving. Short of compromising God's truth and standards, we should be willing to go to great lengths to build peaceful bridges to those who hate us and harm us. I think it's very succinctly said, very well done. It is impossible to follow this principle if we are focused on ourselves and the pride we deserve. That will only exasperate the issue. If we are focused on the truth at hand and only that truth, God will be glorified if we stand loving our opponent but boldly proclaiming the truth without hesitation. The the moment self-identity and feelings get involved, we've lost and the principle thrown out the window. And God not glorified as He should be. Listen, folks, the reality is we are all to be good neighbors. One person agrees with that. We are all to be good neighbors. We are all to be good citizens. We're all to be simply good people. We cannot do that if we are focused on self and our rights and our pride. We we can't. This whole passage is practical expression of loving God by loving our others, loving enemies, and forsaking self and its ambition. That's exact, that is the heartbeat of this text. Too many times we come half-cocked to an argumental conversation and we blow it. This text says, stop it! Amen? Stop it! Stop it. All right. I might have made a mistake this morning. You, right, Bob? Okay. I didn't make the mistake? Okay, okay. So, Bob, could you come and close a word of prayer? Let us stand up and I'll close us in a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this message and for an area where um, I'm pretty sure we all could improve on how we treat, talk, converse, um, other people. And Lord, for us to be representative of you sometimes, Lord, um, we falter quite highly. But Lord, we know you will correct us, you will guide us and direct us, Lord, because we need to live peaceably with one another. 
so Lord, we, the flesh gets in the way and we can really just turn things ugly. But Lord, especially a part of the message today, Lord, um, let us focus on that being uh, kind to one another, Lord. And we just, as you have been with us and graceful with us in everything that we do, you still love and care for us. So, Lord, as we go on today, we just pray that you would just guide and direct our lives. Help us to improve in those areas that we really need to. And, Lord, thank you for the book of Romans, Lord, and the practical stuff that's in it for each and every one of us to live by, Lord. Thank you again in your heavenly name.